0: When you go down that rabbit hole of our differences and conflict, you can ruin a really good meal. You can ruin a really good visit very quickly.
1: The future of work isn't about shareholder value, technology, metrics, or automation. It's about being human and putting people first through actionable love. Welcome to the Love in Action podcast, where we hold deep conversations with extraordinary people to help you grow as a leader and expand your business. Here's your host, Marcel Schwantes.
2: Welcome to episode 86 of the Love in Action podcast, where we help make your business and workplace be both good for people and for profits. And here, we believe that can only happen through acts of caring, connection, safety inclusion and belonging the way human beings were designed to experience work well christmas 2020 is just around the corner and i'm I'm gonna be honest i don't think this is gonna be like any christmas we've had in the past i mean there's tensions between politics you got The pandemic and social distancing. Do we wear a mask, not wear a mask? Businesses shut down. I mean, there's a lot of tension going on, right? COVID cases spiking to record numbers. And then you throw in all the tension that is being brought to the workplace from these political divisions and from how we all feel about the pandemic. Add to that our differing opinions and issues when the extended family gets together for Christmas. Yeah, well, now we have a rodeo. But listen, I want to be optimistic. Cuz we have to be optimistic and we have to be hopeful here. So, I'm going to start with a question for you, my listeners. How can we restore peace first in our workplaces among our fellow co-workers or colleagues, bosses, etc. during this Christmas season, you know, before we go on our break. But more importantly, When we gather with family and loved ones around the dinner table, how can we restore peace among our family communities when we have differences, even before we walk in the door during Christmas? Now, I'm not smart enough to answer all of these questions on my own. Okay, but thank goodness that my guests are workplace leadership and engagement experts, Adrian Gostick and Chester Elton. Best selling authors of Leading with Gratitude are here to offer a winning approach to diffuse our differences with the powerhouse practice of gratitude. Now, if you follow Adrian and Chester, you already know they are New York Times best selling authors of books that have been translated in 30 languages and published in over 50 countries. That would include titles like, look at your bookshelf right now. You probably have a book by either Adrian or Chester. Titles like, The Best Team Wins, What Motivates Me, All In, or The Carrot Principle. Adrian and Chester are also the co-founders of The Culture Works, a global training firm that counsels the leadership teams of Fortune 500 companies on organizational culture and employee engagement. Both have appeared all over the place. Today's show, CNBC, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, among others. And by the way, Chester and I had a great chat earlier this year. You can catch that conversation way back to episode 46. So go check it out. Chester and Adrian now join us to discuss how we can have a more peaceful, grateful Christmas season. Gentlemen, welcome to the Love and Action podcast.
0: Well, thanks. This is uh, Chester. We're delighted to be here. Grateful, you might say, to help your listeners and and all of us to celebrate the holiday season. And I'm always delighted to be with my dear and close friend, my partner in crime, Adrian Gostick.
1: Yeah, thanks, Marcel, for your interest in our work and for having us on today.
0: Yeah, it's always
2: a blast uh, hanging out with you guys. Uh, Well, for Adrian, the first time, of course. But Chester, I don't know if you remember, I know you're a big hockey fan and a New Jersey Devils diehard. And last time I talked to you. You sounded like my nine-year-old grandma on emphysema. Do you remember that? Uh, You you (laughs) screamed your brains out at a game.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the odds that we won that game, I'm not sure what game it was, are probably pretty slim. We are not one of the uh, powerhouse teams in the league yet, as Devils fan would point out.
2: Right, right. Well, I remember you played the Sharks, San Jose Sharks, and yeah, you got beaten as the story went.
0: Yeah, well, Adrian. thank you for bringing back that wonderful memory. Uh, <laughs> pick on Adrian now, would you? <laughs> Adrian, are you a hockey fan too?
1: Oh, it's been a while since I've followed hockey too closely, but uh, yeah, I'm more of an English football fan or a soccer fan. Yeah.
2: Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Well, guys, before we uh, get into talking about gratitude during the holidays, uh, we have a tradition here, and this is so fitting. So I want to ask you both to share your own gratitude moment in what has been a year unlike any other I can remember? I mean, what are you guys most grateful for in a year when people say, hey, there's nothing to be grateful for this year? I'll start with you, Chester.
0: You know, know, that's such a great question because it's it's really easy to go down the list of all the things that have gone wrong and all the things we don't have. You know, I'm um, reminded I... I, I have a, a little bulletin board here next to my desk. and I put up various you know, inspirational phrases. And one quote that I just recently put up that has been really helpful for me, um, religious leader, uh, Russell M. Nelson, he said, counting our blessings is far better than recounting our problems. Mm. And uh, that was very helpful. You know, I have um, a gratitude practice with my wife, Heidi. We've been uh, happily married for 37 years. At least that's my take on the 37 years that it's been happy. <laughs> and. We ask each other at the end of the day, what are you grateful for? Give, give me three things. And it's just a lovely way to end the day and we talk about maybe it was an interaction with our kids or, or the weather or getting a certain, you know, chore done. And you know, I'm just really grateful through all of this that, that I have a wonderful partner in Heidi that keeps me grounded, that keeps things going, you know, I say she's my bedrock, she's my North Star, she's the Chancellor of the Exchequer, she's everything. Because I normally travel so much, I I haven't been. And we've been able to really connect on a family level and an emotional level and very much a spiritual level. So I think that's my gratitude moment is more time with the family. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, counting blessings rather than recounting problems. Love that. How about you, Adrian? You
1: know, one of the, when we do gratitude workshops and everything's virtual now, right? So we're doing some gratitude workshops with leadership teams around the, the world, actually. And, and uh, one of the things we say is, okay, so what are you grateful for? But you can't say your family, you can't say your health, you can't say, you know, the usual things. So Chester just said the usual things. So but, uh, <laughs> but so it makes it kind of hard because we're all, uh, hopefully we're all thankful for our families. Some people aren't because it's kind of, you know, forced them together. And I am of course, most, most importantly, thankful for my family and, and that I am still healthy. So, kind of pushing past that, then what am I really thankful for this year? And it really has been that we found, you know, what we can work in a different way. We've it's this pandemic has forced us as we work with our clients. It's forced us to work and, and think in very different ways, and that's okay. Mm. One of our clients is Texas Roadhouse, which uh, has just been named the by Nation's Restaurant News as the number one restaurant throughout the entire pandemic. They have found ways to not only stay profitable, stay in the black, but also actually start hiring people when other restaurants are closing and, and letting people go. And so, you know, in Chester and my business, we have, we're now doing everything virtually. Everything is is remote. And what we found out is we can find ways to make it fun and engaging and creative. So I've I've really been a little grateful for being forced out of my comfort zone. And sometimes you have to look at kind of hard things and go, thank thank you. The yeah. universe for giving me that challenge.
2: Yeah, that's fantastic. Both amazing perspectives. Thank you guys. So, I want to get into the, the whole reason I wanted to bring you in. I was telling you offline is just to frame this discussion around uh, gratitude for us to have a more peaceful, grateful Christmas season when we are in the middle of so much conflict and divisiveness. So, I'm really just going to hand over the mic to you guys. I know that you have some rules that you want to go over, and this is going to be like, us gathering around the feet of Uncle Adrian and Uncle Chester (laughs) and listening to because I'm telling you, it's going to be stressful. It's going to be stressful. All right. So let's unpack some of the, what needs to happen for us to be more grateful during this Christmas season? Who wants to start?
1: Well, I I can jump in, Marcel, and and start with this. You know, you're going to have some, maybe there'll be virtual gatherings this Christmas. Maybe you will be with Family in a smaller, hopefully socially distanced way, all masked up. But you know, there's always whenever you get families together, there's going to be still residual political differences, right? Uncle Stan yeah. just wants to tell you what he thinks about it, or Grandma, uh, you know. And, and so there's a few things that we would recommend: is that the first is that you treat people fairly. Now it sounds like an obvious thing, but but when you when you go in and you say, look, into my house when we when I'm talking. I'm always going to make sure people are treated fairly. That means I'm going to be very amenable to hearing other viewpoints, and I'm going to listen with empathy. So instead of, typically, most of us have our ears closed to anything that doesn't agree with our opinions, yeah. instead, we're going to say, okay, so Marcel, you believe that. That's great. Tell me how that affects you. Tell me how the results of this election are going to affect you and, and affect our family, and, and you know, why is this impacting you so much? to be a little bit more empathetic. Yeah. Um, Chess. what would you add?
0: Well, yeah, I, I would you know, focus on what unites us as opposed to what separates us. You know? and, and I think that's going to kind of hopefully be a theme going forward into 2021, is that it's easy to pick apart our differences. Let's find out what unites us. You know, mm. We're a family, after all. We're friends, after all. Why are we friends? We had something in common <laughs> you know, that, that drew us together. And so focus on that, focus on upcoming events. Maybe there's a birth of a child or there's a wedding coming up or birthdays or anniversaries and talk about those again, focusing on on the positive rather than jumping to the negative. And I get that as humans, it's easier to go negative. It's easier to find those differences. So as Adrian said, you know, be a little more empathetic, work a little harder on, hey, let's talk about how great the food is. Let's leave the election behind, you know. Let's talk about, uh, man, you know, COVID's been good to you. You've lost 10 pounds or, boy, COVID's been good to you. You've gained 10 pounds. I mean, it can be positive either way, right? And really focus on what unites us and what brings us together and what makes us happy. Because when you go down that rabbit hole of our differences and conflict, you can ruin a really good meal. You can ruin a really good visit very quickly. And in this season, wouldn't that be a shame? Yeah.
2: What I'm getting from this so far is that the empathy piece, I think, first of all, it requires you to release from your own expectations that you have to walk in the house and wage war, right? So I think it starts with you basically stepping into this mindset of, well, I'm not here to have conflict. I'm I'm here to get along and look at what my family members are up to, et cetera. I think that disarms... The other side, when people see that you're not here to wage war, I think it disarms them and it makes the atmosphere a little more relaxing. You know, you're not coming in with uh, closed fists already. Wow. So that's what I'm thinking.
1: That's a, that's a great point. One of the things we do recommend on this, you know, we, in our coaching, we do a lot of executive coaching and we always help our, our leaders understand this, is you assume positive intent. It's just a yeah. better way to live. So when things may be getting political or is assuming this person really does you know whatever their political leanings, they really truly do want what's best for your family, for the country, and really being willing to kind of see them from that perspective, that really does change. You know one of the things that you know with this election that's gone on is if, if you see it from an empathetic perspective, you see, oh my gosh, those blue states, this is what they were looking for, those red states this is what their concerns were. And you can make you more empathetic, or it can make you more divisive. What we would say is choose to be more empathetic. And especially kind of coming back now to your family, if somebody is making an effort to reach out and to understand somebody else, be grateful for them.
2: You know, what's funny is I'm going back to Boy, it's, you guys are really digging deep into the empathy concept. I mean, it's showing curiosity for the other person. And why is somebody feeling the way they do? Connect the dots for us. How does empathy then relate to gratitude? Help us to connect the two.
0: Well, I, I think, you know, in the family setting in particular, you just say, hey, I'm, I'm grateful that you're a part of my family. And for all the experiences we've had, you know, I, I think sometimes when we enter into conflict, you know, our motive is I want to be right. Yeah. and I want to win. And win what? I am empathetic as long as everybody agrees with me. You know, <laughs> you know that's, that's, that, that's easy. Win the argument, lose the family. It's not worth it. You know, I think one of the, the great pieces of advice that, that I got early on, you know, Adrian mentions we do a lot of, of coaching is whether they're executives or your parents or your brothers and sisters or, or whatever is just take a beat. You know, when stuff is it, just take a beat, listen more. And to Adrian's point, really listen. Don't listen with the intent of here's what I'm going to say, you know, and I'm going to be so clever and so smart. Just really listen and, and, and think of it from their perspective. And then at a certain point, you know, particularly if it's your home or you're hosting dinner or something, you can even just pause and say, you know what, I, I really don't like the direction this conversation's going. You know, I, I'm just so delighted you're all here. This is such good food. Let's just change the subject. Is, is that okay with everybody? Let's get back to, I don't know, doesn't the tree look great or doesn't the, <laughs> doesn't the turkey look uh, look juicy? And I think that's okay. I, I think you can. I love it when people say, you know what? I just don't feel good about where this conversation is, it's not making me feel great. And that's not what this season is all about. So let's change the, the conversation from whatever that was to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Let's go there. You know, a new topic. <laughs>
1: Favorite Christmas movie. Exactly. Yeah, there
0: you go. A perfect pivot, you know, Christmas movies that made you cry. Go. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, it's going back to what Adrian said. That's the rule of assuming positive intent, right? It's really finding common ground with those you love that are in the room, right? Because I'm telling you, there's a lot more love once you explore, once you become curious about what's going on with the other person in goodwill, Right not to try to draw them into an argument so you can win the argument, but finding common ground about things that, you know, your uncle and cousin, grandma love, and then make that the focus of conversation. Yeah. There's another a rule that you guys mentioned, walk in their shoes. I know that goes back to empathy, maybe even compassion, walk in their shoes. Talk a little bit about that.
0: Really look from their perspective. You know, when Adrian said, look, when you, when you see different parts of the country, they have different, different concerns that we should be walking in their shoes you know people that will live in rural areas have much different issues and things that concern them than people live in urban areas and and uh, different family situations i think it really is as as adrian said just take a step back and say you know if i were them those would probably be my concerns as well. Just because this is my world doesn't mean it's everybody's world. And Adrian, I'm sure you've got a perspective on that as well.
1: Well, and it does lead us to sort of our last point is when, when you're expressing gratitude, which you should at this holiday season, for people who have lifted you up during the year, even if they've, you just know that they're there for you, there's some maybe creative ways that you can let people know very personally this, this year that how much they've meant to you. Why not create video messages? Why not create a little YouTube message of you and your immediate family sending some love and why you're especially grateful to grandma, to grandpa, to uncle, you know, Ed uh, out in Kansas, wherever, you know, really using technology a little bit more and really putting a flood of gratitude out into social media, perhaps of who you are thankful for. Just you're a big, fa- you're a big fan of handwritten notes, but being really specific, right, about why you're grateful to that person.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I, I got a letter from my oldest brother uh, just the other day. We'd been doing some video chatting and I, I recorded this little video for a class. My other brother was teaching and, and my brother Tanner just took the time to, to write me a letter and said, you know, I, I just love that video. And, and thank you so much for your little texts and your little notes. He's gone through a particularly tough year in his business and so on. He said, you know, it, it, it really helped. And, you know, I had no idea, actually, that it had gotten as bad for him just emotionally as it had. And he said, you know, in some of my toughest moments, what my brother's reaching out to me just randomly, it just meant the world to me. Mm. And I thought, isn't that interesting? You never know. You know, to Adrian's point, when you get creative, you you never know a little handwritten note or or a random text or a call. A good friend of ours, uh, Adrian, uh, Kim Purcell, called me the other day. And Kim is an old friend of ours. We'd done business with him for a long time, and he's having a lot of health issues. And just every now and again, I'd randomly drop him a note or leave him a voicemail. And he would rarely, if ever, respond. Well, he was going to some treatment at the hospital. He calls me, he says, yeah, I've got to be in this thing for some kind of a drip for eight hours. <laughs> so I thought I'd call you. And my heart reaction was, oh, so now when you've got absolutely nothing to do for eight hours, now you call me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, and we had a good laugh. And yet it was a wonderful few minutes to just say, hey, Kim, you know, I think about you a lot you know that you're, you're in our thoughts and prayers as a family and you're fighting the good fight. And we talked about a new, you know, those kinds of things. I'm I'm rambling here a little bit, but if you get the spirit that look, everybody's having a tough time, they really are. Yeah. And little random notes and calls and so on really do mean the world. And it costs you nothing. And it takes you seconds, Mm. if Mm. minutes at the most.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Guys, I want to transition to gratitude in the workplace, but I want to make sure that is there anything else that needs to be spoken out loud about the Christmas theme of gratitude as we come together during the holiday season as family and loved ones?
1: I suppose just the last word is you really need to do something, you know, because sometimes we feel like, yeah, they know, they know that I, I appreciate them, they know. And so whether it's with our family members or work, which we're going to transition into here, You really do need to do something to reach out to to not just, no, I sent the flowers, I sent the cookies. No, they got it. No, tell them specifically why you're grateful, why you love them, and what they do for you. People need that lift, especially this year. That specificity is really important. Here's why you lift me. Mm,
2: mm, Love it. Okay. So we know we need to practice more gratitude at work. And so let's talk about how to do that in a way that makes business sense and helps our workplaces thrive. A lot of people are going to be listening to this also you know, after the holidays as they come back from the break, back to their virtual work environment or hybrid work environment. So we're going to unpack all of that after this quick break. Don't go anywhere. Hey, leaders and managers, Marcel here. You probably already know this if you've been following the show. The question comes up often. What's the purpose of this show? What's the why behind Love in Action? Well, the simple answer? We need to eliminate suffering in the workplace and help leaders to flourish. Because when we have good leaders in place, the people under their care also flourish. That is really good for business. And by the way, as an extension of the podcast, I launched a leadership development course. It's got a catchy name. Check it out on my website. It's called From Boss to Leader. And in this course, I teach the skills that you often hear on the show. Things like how to communicate more effectively, how to engage your employees to put out their best effort, and how to build a high-performing organization. So check it out. I'm taking calls right now. And I'd love to personally chat with you to see if this course may be a good fit. Reach me on my website, marcelschwantes.com and click on virtual training. Okay, we're back. Guys, Gratitude is so necessary for human interaction, but we find that it's often missing in a work environment and even within the leadership ranks. So talk a little bit about why is that? Let's start there. Why is gratitude missing when we know it's so necessary for humanity?
0: You know, it's such a great question because, you know, our research shows that actually people are less likely to express gratitude in the workplace than any other place in their lives. And isn't that curious? Because like you say, you, you probably need it there more than, more than anywhere because that's where you're spending most of your time. And that's you know, what's driving a lot of our lives. So we take a look at that and say, well, as a leader, have you made it safe to do that? You know, I love the expression, leadership is contagious. And the way you act and the way you express gratitude gives everybody else on your team permission to do the same. You know, we talked a little bit about uh, Kent Taylor's Texas Roadhouse. Even in his leadership meetings, they they always end with something fun and inspirational. They they'll even bark each other out, which sounds like so silly, and yet it's so much fun. He goes, you know, Tom, give us a little uh, inspiration and bark us out. So he'll bring a quote from Winston Churchill or whatever, and then at the end, and literally these are senior executives in a multi billion dollar restaurant chain, and they they're barking like dogs, and it's just it's just fun and it's engaging. Well. Kent does that. Kent's the founder and the CEO. Do you think that ripples through to all the different restaurants? Of course it does. They have their rally alleys. They have their fun little awards. And they encourage each other to recognize each other. I think that's when you get a a safe place, a a culture of gratitude, is when the leader gives you permission to do it even without he or she. You know, it doesn't always have to be the leader top down. It can be side to side and, and, and have some fun with it. This is the season of fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. As a leader, give people permission.
2: Mm. I found this astonishing in your book. So according to data from the U.S. Department of Labor, which is cited in, in your book, the number one reason people give for leaving their companies is they don't feel appreciated by their manager. And here's the clincher. Your research shows that frequent, genuine gratitude has been correlated with up to 50% lower employee turnover. Seriously. <laughs> I found that astonishing. So what's going on here, guys?
1: No, and that's the it's, it's, it's $64,000 question, right, Marcel? It's a, we began this process, actually, it was a couple of years ago. We were sitting around with our, our good friend, Marshall Goldsmith, you know, who wrote the book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And we, we're all executive coaches. Now, he's the executive coach to the stars. We're right. just executive coaches. But still, we were, we were all kind of bemoaning the fact is so isn't this interesting that, of all the people that we coach, they're very busy, powerful executives and often forget the little things like gratitude that have such powerful impact. As you say, lower employee turnover, higher customer satisfaction, higher employee engagement, all those things we're looking for. So why don't we do this? I mean, it's sort of a no-brainer. And that's, that's why we began writing Leading with Gratitude is, where, first off, we wanted to understand what was holding us back. What are these myths? Like, I'm just too busy for this, or I don't, I, you know, people just want money. They don't want the, you know, this gratitude idea, etc. So, we spent about the first third of the book de- debunking these myths, and they're really fun and interesting the psychology of why we don't do it. Then, the rest of the book we spend in here's some real ideas. So, we interviewed dozens and dozens of really high powered CEOs and senior leaders who had discovered this idea, like Alan who who's the former CEO of Ford, who saved right. Ford Motor Company, Uber Jolie, who saved Best Buy, all these amazing leaders. And what they said was that in many cases, yeah, they had to have this rebirth where they realized people need these little touches. And, and it's not just about thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. No, it's about opening their eyes and seeing the value that's being created around them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Hey, let's get into those ideas if we can. Can we get into a practical discussion of, how to actually implement a culture of gratitude. So, speak to the, the HR executive or the CEO who's bought into this idea of creating a workplace of gratitude for high performance. I mean, what are the steps? Is there a first step? And how do you build on that? Who wants to go first?
0: I'll jump in here. I mean, okay. you know, it, it, it's really interesting. I, I think you got to talk about it and you got to say, look, I mean, like any project, you say, look, here's where we are, here's where we want to be, and here's how we're going to get there right? So you're very open and and transparent about it. And then Adrian and I love to talk about rituals, create rituals in your organization that really embeds it. And like any ritual, it takes time. You know, like the Texas Roadhouse, let's bark them out. One of our our dear friends, Bill Manning, who, who is the president of Toronto FC and the MLS, you know, he's got a tradition where he brings his people together once a month and he talks about, you know, what needs to be done and their successes and so on. And then he, calls somebody randomly out of his team and says, who would you like to recognize? And, and I love that, Marcel. He's not saying, I'm going to pull out Adrian and recognize Adrian. He's like, Adrian, come on up. Who do you want to recognize? And then he's got a fun you know, gift card that they can present. And so what he's doing is he's creating a ritual. He's giving permission. And he's giving people the opportunity to recognize things that he will never see. You know, sometimes as leaders, one of the excuses that we hear often is, well, what if I miss somebody? Well, of course you're going to miss somebody. (laughs) You know, I mean, if you manage more than 10 people, you're going to miss somebody. So get your people to help you not miss people and make that a ritual. Make that part of your tradition and be really disciplined about it. Do it every month or every week. In you know, start every meeting with a little shout out to somebody who had great customer service and end every meeting with something positive. These rituals and the transparency of it really does help the HR leader coach up the senior executive and gives the senior executive the opportunity to, to be the bearer of good news in, in mm-hmm. a year where the, you know, the leaders are bearers of so much bad news. Yeah. Let them be Santa Claus once a month. And, uh, and I, hope, I hope that's helpful. I know, Adrian, you've got a bunch of ideas on this.
2: Yeah. What's another good ritual, Adrian?
1: Another one is, you know, first, a couple of thoughts. First is, you know, look for small wins. One of the uh, CEOs we interviewed was Ken Chenault, who for many years was the CEO of American Express, 16 years. In many cases, he was the only African-American CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Remarkable leader, brilliant guy. And one of the things he told us, he says, I have to learn this. He says, you don't hold your gratitude to the end of the project, to the end of the pandemic. He says, you are recognizing small little wins along the way. He says, because those are it's like taking a journey. And he says, we're looking for signposts. We're looking for signposts that we're on the right path. And this is especially important with younger employees because what we find, we interviewed dozens and dozens of younger people, especially for a new project we're working on, on anxiety at work. And one of the things that these young people, many of them told us was that if my manager doesn't recognize my work, I will keep trying it a different way until I finally do, Mm. which is incredibly counterproductive. You've got people that are just keep trying, trying new things, trying... Until they finally get some approbation from their, from their manager. What gratitude, when we teach our managers to recognize these small wins along the way, that people know, especially younger people, that they're on the right path, that they're doing the right thing. It brings anxiety levels down. It brings confidence up. And it creates those organizations that really can move us forward.
2: Yeah, yeah. Chester, most leaders are now working remotely and they have been for probably seven, eight months now. Is there much difference in how they should lead remotely versus, say, in the office?
0: Oh, yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything's different. One of the things that I think has been a real benefit of the pandemic for leaders is the virus hit everybody, you know, and so now we're all, you know, working from home. We're all trying to figure out how to video teach our kids. We're all trying to figure out how to stay safe. And so I think it created a lot more empathy in leaders that I'm going through the same thing you're going through. You know, in the middle of a video chat, my kids are going to come running in <laughs> just like they did for you and, and to be forgiving and, you know, assume positive intent and, and all that. The thing that is much different is you're not going to randomly bump into people in the hallway. You can't just poke your head in or see that there's a meeting going on and, ooh, you know, I, maybe I can, I can help with that. So the two words that I think are really important for leaders that manage a lot of remote people and that work remotely is to be intentional and be disciplined intentional about who haven't I spoken to lately and be really disciplined to make sure that you're connecting on a regular basis. You know, Adrian and I have collected some some wonderful, just simple questions that leaders should be asking on a regular basis. And, you know, if you were working for me, I, I'd set up a time or so. we'd, we'd have a video chat. And at some point, I'm going to say, look, how are you doing today? Because, you know, today could be very different than yesterday. Yesterday might have been a car wreck and today's going great or vice versa. <laughs> Things change so quickly. Secondly, is you know, how can I help as a leader? What's going on? And then a third question that I love, and it's very inclusive, is Marcel, we're working on this project or we've got this situation, whatever. What do you think? Like what give me your opinion? I'm gonna include your thoughts in this whole thing. And and if you're really intentional about making sure that you're connecting and disciplined about doing it on a regular basis, I think that's the biggest challenge for leaders because. It does take a little more time. You know, you you can't just pop into two or three offices in the next 10 or 15 minutes. You've got to set up a call. You've got to make the appointment. You've got to show up. And, and then, you know, the last thing is remember what they said. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's great to ask the questions. If you don't remember what they said, it doesn't matter. And increase that empathy. I think that's a big change for leaders that are working remotely.
2: Yeah, yeah. Guys, as we wind down here, I want to make the link between leadership and practical love. The whole reason we call this show Love in Action, love being a verb, not a feeling that acts to inspire and empower people to flourish. Adrian, I want to start with you. How does a leader love well in business day in and day out?
1: You know, we love the, the theme of your show, Marcel, because of that idea. It's, it's love which is, you know, until maybe the last few years has been this, you know, we don't really talk about love. In fact, if you're talking about love in business, maybe you have to go see HR. Now (laughs) we realize, no, 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 the best leaders that, you know, I've ever had, they love you. They really do. They know who you are as an individual. And so I think that's the first part. If I would add something to this idea of how you oversee your team with love is that you realize in the old world, we would treat everybody the same because that was fair. Well, we've realized that's a terrible way to lead because we are all extremely different. Now, you treat everybody the same with the rules, right? If somebody's sexually harassing somebody, no matter how great they are in their job, they're going to get fired, right? But with their motivation, we are all very, very different. And so we have to understand what really motivates each of our people. Now, Chester, he is driven by ideas like friendship and fun and teamwork. Me, I'm more of a, you know, the homebody. I'm driven by ideas like autonomy and creativity and family. If I'm the manager of the two of us, I'm going to treat us in very, very different ways to motivate us, mm. to be grateful to us. That's what we have learned, is that that's why engagement levels aren't increasing, is because we tr- keep treating people the same. We're yeah. not. We're all yeah. very, very different. You want to love people? Get to know them and get to know what motivates them.
0: Wow. How about you, Chester? Yeah, I, I think it just comes back to caring. It, yeah. Does my boss care? You know, I know it's an overused phrase, but you know, people don't. Uh, you know, I don't know what it is. Adrian. People don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. Yeah, I think that's it. And it is. It, it, does my boss really care about? Is there that genuine affection? And by the way, that doesn't mean you agree on everything. You know, Adrian and I worked for uh, a leader that actually helped us launch our our writing partnership, Kent Murdoch. And he was a tough boss and he was demanding and we didn't always agree with him and we'd we'd have those disputes. And yet we never thought for a minute he didn't care, care about us. You know, he really was interested in helping us become better and giving us opportunities. And I remember one time very specifically, he said, you know, I never worry about you guys because you're both of such high integrity. That was a simple little moment that you know, all of a sudden went, yeah, you know, because we had been a little contentious. You know, he really does care. <laughs> he really does love us. You know, by the way, the, the ripple effect is that and we'll never let him down. So that's yeah. the benefit, right? When I know my boss really cares about me and is concerned and, and is helping me, I'm not going to let him down. Hence the, I'm not going to leave. Why would I leave when I'm working for somebody that I know genuinely cares for me? Mm. To use your phrase, Loves me and you will love them back. Yeah. Yeah.
2: True story for me. The best boss I ever had was the one that loved me the best, and because of that, my performance was at an all-time high under that boss. So, guys, we get to end this episode your way with uh, one final takeaway. So, I'm going to ask you each to give us that one thing that we can walk away with today. Um, Adrian, I'll start with you.
1: One of the things we've been talking about leading with gratitude, and this is a great thing to do at work. It really will enhance your employee engagement. There's lots of tips and ideas in the book, but one of the things I would kind of as a last thought was we've got to take it home too. You know, with remote work, the, you know, whether we're going in or we're, we're still working from home. We, I mentioned we do a lot of executive coaching. One of my uh, coachees said to me the other day, he says, who's uh, an administrator of a large hospital system. He said, uh, I realize he says, I'm giving my best self a work as you can imagine. And he says, I get home and I just want to crash on the couch. I don't want to really go through anything. And he says, this is not good. He says, I'm realizing I've got to give more to the people that I love. I've got to save a little of myself. So part of leading with gratitude is making sure that we love those that we love and giving them some of our best selves, our best ideas, Mm -hmm. but also our gratitude, noticing and seeing what they're excited about, what they're working on. And being grateful for what they bring to us in our lives.
0: Mm. What's your final takeaway, Chester? You know, two thoughts, much along the line of what Adrian said. I I think in this upside down year that we're all hoping won't end soon enough (laughs) is that is give yourself permission to forgive yourself. A lot of high performers out there, you know, you're very demanding of yourselves. You're 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 working more hours, not less, in COVID because you can without the commute, and so it's okay that it's not perfect, forgive yourself. And it's okay if you've, you've made a mistake, forgive yourself, move on. And then my second thought is, and, and I found this really helpful for me, is, is start and end your day on a positive note. When you wake up in the morning, uh, we, we've got a friend, he says, the first thing I do when I wake up is I go, thank you. <laughs> I thought that was lovely. And so I thought, well, what's my little mantra when I wake up? And, uh, and I've been doing this for a while now that as soon as my feet hit the ground, I say, you know what, be kind today be grateful and be of service, mm. serve somebody. And then I, I mentioned it to you already at the end of the day to end the day, you know, with someone you love and you care about and, and just count a couple of your blessings. What are th- three things you're grateful for? So forgive yourself, start the day in a positive note. Maybe you've got a little mantra. I have a friend who every day when he shaves, he looks in the mirror and he says, you handsome devil, don't you ever die? <laughs> 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 and, you know, I mean, it works for him. What works for you? And then end your day counting a couple of blessings. I think for me, that's a grateful life.
2: Guys, I'm so grateful for this conversation. I'm better for it. I know our listeners are too. From the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today, especially at such a crucial stage of the year. Here we are about to walk into what's supposed to be, it's supposed to be, one of the, the best times of the year at Christmas, gather with friends and family and loved ones. So I really, truly appreciate your wisdom this morning. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you. Well, thanks for you. having us. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And finally, how can listeners connect with you? Where do they go if they want to get more information?
1: You can go to uh, ChesterElton.com or adriangostic.com And, uh, and uh, we, you know, our Leading with Gratitude is available wherever fine books are sold.
0: Follow us on LinkedIn as well. You know, Adrian, by the way, is, is writing every month for Forbes magazine, uh, brilliant articles. And we've got a, a, a gratitude journal newsletter that you can sign up for on LinkedIn. We publish stuff all the time. We'd, we'd love to engage you in the conversation on how you lead a grateful life as well.
2: Look for those resources in my show notes uh, on my website, as well as Apple iTunes. So if you'd like to join the conversation and comment on this episode, um, hashtag love in action podcast. We'll get you there on Twitter or LinkedIn, and I will also be posting on this episode, and you can follow the discussion there. I'll be right back with your action steps for today's episode. Don't miss that. Hey, Love and Action Nation, here are your action steps to make this episode real and practical for your everyday life, especially as we head into Christmas. I have four today. Action step number one, pivot from election opinions by expressing gratitude for what unites versus divides you and your family and loved ones. Your second action step, find common ground with the ones you love. And you know, this takes positive intent from the get-go. So look for the good in others and create conversations around the things that bring joy and hope and not hate or division. Your third action step, if someone expresses disappointment with uh, the election results, ask them how that feels and if they're okay. That's going to take a lot of courage. But then thank them for sharing what they're going through. And finally, you want to tailor gratitude to each individual instead of associating them with the party line. So ask them how they think their situation might be affected by the election results. What happens here is now you can convert the typical liberal versus conservative debate into an empathetic person-to-person dialogue. And when you do these things, you are now walking in gratitude. And that is love in action. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Doing so We'll help more people to find the podcast so we can keep spreading the love in action movement. Until next time, don't forget, the future of leadership is love in action. Believe it, practice it, and be convinced.